You all right? My name's Paul. I've got autism and I make random videos based on my version of autism and the way my head works. And I stick the videos on the internet in case you want to watch them. Right then. No time for my waffle because I don't know how long this video is going to take. Hopefully it won't take forever, but you know what I'm like. Um, I'm going to make a video that I don't usually make. Um, I've never been the type of person to be making the videos where it's like top 10 signs you might have autism um, because I've just preferred to do real life rather than, you know, whatever the reason is people make them videos for. But things have happened in work this week and it's really made me think about being autistic. It's really made me think about being older and autistic. And it's also made me think a lot about people who might be undiagnosed and have lived their life and have a few difficulties thrown in there as well. And maybe some of them are due to autism and maybe some of them are just life. I don't know. But um, what I want to do is this little video to talk about, hopefully, six ways that you might have undiagnosed autism as an adult. Now, I can only tell you this from my perspective. I am certainly no expert whatsoever. But the one thing is, I'm, I'm not just going to tell you the same stuff you always hear about. Oh, maybe you've got difficulty maintaining eye contact. Maybe you find it difficult to read emotion. I don't want to do that. I want to give you Six real ways, hopefully with stories in there, which I've suffered from or dealt with, whatever term you might want to use, to try to explain why I think that these might be signs of undiagnosed autism. So let's just crack into it and bear in mind it's just my perspective, nothing more, okay? So number one would be lost friends. So you might have lost friends through life and the important part is you don't know why. It's not because of falling out. It's not because you've blown up and said something, caused a scene or whatever. You know, there was not, basically, there was no reason. You're just not friends anymore. And I struggle with that. I've got to be honest. You know, and it's not like I, I miss seeing them every day and want to you know, get t-shirts made with each other's faces on them or anything like that. It's more, it's nice to know that people like you and all of a sudden people you thought liked you now don't care about you enough to return a text message. And it's like, oh, do they like me? Did they like me? Did I just think that they liked me? Were we even friends? And it just sets off this this mad one in your mind where you can never sort of make sense of anything. and it's. It's not nice. You know, I've had friends of over 20 years who've just flirted off and cracked on, done whatever they want to do and have their own life, which they're more than entitled to have. But then they just stopped messaging. They stopped wanting to meet up. They stopped wanting to do things. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not the one who changes. I, I was never the kid who went through phases in school. I wasn't you know, wearing Nirvana t-shirts one day. I wasn't a goth the next. I wasn't, 
you know, into happy hardcore wearing all my neon wristbands and things like that. I was just consistent in who I was. Still masked, still had to play the deception card all the time, but the person I gave people was, you know, I still believed in what that person did. So as you get older, you wonder where these people go. So I think the confusion over lost friends is a is a pretty good place to start. If you're somebody who's had friends, the friends have disappeared, there's no good rhyme or reason for it, and you're sat there wondering, where did they go? What on earth happened? Why don't they respond to text messages? Well, you know, they've changed the number and they didn't let me know. Then that's what I mean. Okay. Number two would be relationships. Now, this one's tricky because I'm talking about romantic relationships, and I found there are a couple of types of people in this category. There are those who haven't had romantic relationships because they've got such a strong and hard want and expectation out of someone. They expect the perfect package of partner to just live three doors away from them. And there are those who go through a few partners and learn that everyone's very different and what they might be brilliant in one department, they might be horrific in another. And um, I'm the second of those, you know, like I've, I've dated girls who have been great personality wise, but then there might be something where when you're one-on-one with them, when you, you haven't got a, an agenda, it could be very boring or you might find you very incompatible or they might seem rude or unkempt, you know, <laughs> I know that's an horrible thing to say, but, um, you know, I remember a, a lad I knew called Darren, he was dating this girl and in a sleep, she used to pick her nose and wipe it on the carpet. That's disgusting. I could not be with someone who does that. I don't care who they are. You know, I just, when he told me it's stuck in my mind, it's obviously stuck in my mind because I've just told you about it. You know, but different relationships, you know, it's the different standard. What are you both after? Because you're so you, you're so focused on you making sure you hit your needs, your wants, your desires, your what what you need to get by. You're focused on you. And then when you're in a relationship, you've got to divert some of that attention to them. And then if they're not doing everything that is on your level, it can get frustrating, create stress, anxiety, arguments, you know, and then these people who want children, there are those who don't. Some want to get married, some don't. Some want to couple, some don't. Some want to go on holiday with their friends, some don't. And the different standards of living. Some people want to live clean. Like I love living clean. It's, you know, a clear house means a clear mind for me. And some people will leave socks on the floor for days and cups just unwashed. Oh, I couldn't deal with that. So people like me go through a few, you know, relationships to try to find someone who's not the perfect package, but breaks even across the, uh, across the board. There's more good than bad. And I know I'm not a stunner. I'm not saying I'm after stunners, you know, for whatever that term may mean for you, but everyone's allowed what they think they want, you know, and I just know what I would need to achieve that. Um, but you find relationships hard is what I'm trying to get at for point two is 
they can be difficult. You either want the impossible or you think the impossible can happen in the general aspects of things. But it really comes down to the saying of, you know, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Well, yeah, you are. You know, because I've never been the sort of person with, you know, certain expectations, like they've got to have a certain hair color, certain skin color, certain age group, certain body size. I was never bothered about stuff like that. I was more bothered about weirder things like I can't date women with really short hair. Um, <laughs> I can't date certain women with certain names. There are some names I absolutely couldn't date a woman with, you know, so I've got weirder wants rather than, oh, they've got to be this height, this color, this hair color, all that. I've just got different things, I suppose is the right way of putting it. Um, so that was, anyway, we're not here to talk about me and my desires. So that would be point two. It would be the difficulty around connecting with relationships, I think is what I'm after saying. Uh, point three, I would say would be work. And I don't mean your stereotypical autism things like we can only do low skill work or, or autistic people only work in video game development and IT. I work in fire. So we're not all tarred with the same brush. I'm talking work as in things like you might go through multiple jobs because you can't seem to settle where you are. It doesn't matter if it's your type of work, like a welder, for example. You know, once you can weld, you can weld. <laughs> so if you're welding a certain type of machine, whether you're building chassis for cars or whatever it might be, you can do that for any company. And you might go to several companies doing the same job but the thing that pushes you out the door tends to be the same thing every single time, which could be isolation from other workers. They might go out for you know, a break. They might sit together in a canteen. They might go out for a drink after work and you don't. They might have in-house jokes and you then become the, the butt of the joke, which is never nice. You know, You could clash with management, which is a massive thing I suffer with. You know, I, I don't I don't clash with anyone except people who think they're right without ever needing the without ever needing to explain anything. And I'm a great believer. And if you've got a plan and you believe in your plan, you should be passionate about your plan and want to talk about it to show the fruition. Not just go, do this, it's your job, crack on. Hang on a minute, I need to believe in what I'm doing here. So I clash with management personally. So I've had more jobs than you can shake a stick at. Not that you'd want to shake a stick at anything. It's weird. But plenty of jobs, plenty of clashes with management. And I've been on the outside of uh, clicks in work because I've got to fake being around these people for a long time, haven't I? I'm there from nine till five just to pick on the average. And I've got to stick my mask on to blend in with people and laugh at the jokes I don't find funny and pretend I've got an interest in the things they talk about every single day without fail, every Monday talking about the sport that's been on. And I've got to to fit in, pretend to be bothered, or I can be true to myself and just crack on with what I'm doing, but cracking on with what I'm doing and ignoring the banter then draws the ire and attention of the other people. And I play the game, I pretend I'm interested in nearly everything. 
not to be part of the team, but to become Mr. Average and avoid the bullying because I'd rather be fake than be bullied because bullying feels horrible, whereas just being fake, it just means you've got to recharge more at the end of the day. So that would be my third point. It would be more around the fact you could have had multiple jobs because you can't settle, nothing fits, nothing feels right, and clashes with co-workers because, again, you could potentially be autistic, they might not be, and there's just that disconnect. And because you're given that on a much more frequent basis, it becomes a bit more prevalent, becomes a bit more to the forefront. So that's what I mean by work. Number four would be um, the life difficulty that you live with. And what I mean by that is you might have a job, you might have a place to live, you might have yourself a little dog like me. And on the surface, on, in, on paper, in theory, your job, your life, your house, your little social circle, whatever it is that you might like, you know, I like my dog, that, that does me. That should look all right. But you might have a harder life than, than it looks in a very simple manner. So you, like, like I personally find it very easy to do what a lot of other people find hard, but vice versa. Like money management, there are loads of people in debt and people say, you don't have a choice to get in debt sometimes. Yeah, you do. You don't buy it. You don't own it. You don't eat that brand of food. You know, you, you have to take an impact to you the way you live. I've come from nothing at all. So I know what I'm talking about. I think I've told you the story when I had five pence and that was absolutely everything I had to my name. You know, and I was living at home with my mum and was living off 80 pound every two weeks because I was unemployed and that was the uh, standard of cost I was being given. I've not always had what I've got, but I've worked ridiculously hard to get where I am and I'm proud of that. And people try and take it away and it'll never happen. But people get in debt. You know, there used to be a show on TV where, you know, I remember this guy like saying, oh, I earn a thousand pound a month, but my outgoings are 3,000 pound. I can't help it. Of course you can. You know, so I find life easy for the things a lot of people find hard, like money management. It's just numbers. That's it. You know, it's, it, there's no power in money for me, so I don't have to fall into that category. And I know not everybody's the same, but that's one perk I've got is money's irrelevant to me. As long as I've got enough to buy what I need, pay for the roof over my head, get them that takeaway food, I don't need much else. Um, but, you know, then I suffer with things which everybody else finds simple. and undiagnosed people could be the same, like making phone calls and making appointments for like the doctors and the dentist. And if you've seen me before, you'll know how much I despise going to them places. You know, even things like collecting food deliveries from the front door. You know, one of the best things to happen <laughs> when COVID first came around was on my takeaway 
app, there was always a box on there saying, if you want contact-free delivery due to COVID, please tick this box and we'll ring your doorbell. We'll go to the end of the path and that's it. I loved that. And I, I, was, I, t I ticked that box every single time because that way I don't have to open the door, take it off them, have the awkwardness of them putting the hand out for a tip. It's like, mate, you drove food that someone else cooked to my house and you want a tip for that. I don't think so. That ain't happening. You're not even the person who cooked it. <laughs> so that creates a problem for me. So, you know, some days I can't even order food to eat. That hasn't happened for a while. You know, the size of my stomach will tell you that. But that's been something common for me in the past. And it's uh, not pleasant. You know, and how many people would struggle with answering a door when they're bringing you food? Not many. Another good example would be the hairdressers. You know, I mean, I like my hairdresser. He's a guy called Paul, spot on. But usually I've got a bald head and I only grew my hair for, I think it was because it was winter and I was wearing hats all the time. It just grew, you know, and it's, here it is. You know, I'm still going bald, but I've got fluff on my head now. But I would always go and see him for my beard. And there are just some days, weeks, months, times where you don't have the mental energy to want to be touched, to go and make the small talk. No matter how much you might like these people, it's not a case of if you like them or you don't. The problem is that you still have to be a bit fake. You still have to have your space invaded. And it makes things just a bit harder. So, you know, when my beard is a lot longer than you might be used to seeing it, like now, for example, it's because I have not got the mental energy to go and get it trimmed. And plus, irrelevant, but I cut my own hair and it's really bad. And if I went and he saw it, he'd go mad. He'd be like, what is that? You know, you look stupid. Let me sort it out for you. Um, so that puts me off as well. But what I'm saying is it's the life difficulty, not being commensurate with the way you live your life will be much harder because the things which are just every day take its toll on you. Um, which brings me nicely into my other point, point five, which would be an over-annoyance of, of daily tasks. So it's not the same as hairdressing and getting food from the door. I'm talking about things like cleaning your teeth. I hate cleaning my teeth. It is, if I was loaded, this sounds disgusting, I know it does, but if I was a multimillionaire, I'd have all my teeth changed for the fake ones. And as gross as it sounds, probably wouldn't clean them every day because there's no chance of cavities. <laughs> That's minging, I know that, that sounds disgusting, but I hate, hate cleaning my teeth. If there was a magic little machine I could pop in my mouth and it was like a, a mini car wash for my teeth and I just bit on it and it like, you know, cleaned all my teeth, and it cost a thousand pound. I genuinely would save up my pennies and pounds to try and save up for that machine because of how annoyed it makes me to have to do this mundane task every day, twice a day, cleaning my teeth. I have an, an over annoyance of everyday tasks. Showering, showering bothers me unless I'm sweaty. So if I've done a little workout, not that I can do anything at the minute because my knee is still very damaged from God knows what, I need to work up a sweat. 
because my body temperature is very important when it comes to showers. And if I've showered or, you know, if, sorry, if I need a shower and I have been working out and my temperature has changed, my, then I can get in the shower because it feels more normal because temperatures are fluctuating. But if I, like right now, if I'm just sat here, the last thing I can do after I press stop is go, all right, time for a shower and just get up and go and get soaking wet, body temperature changes. I come out of there with, I better not joke about that, but I come out of there with a mini trauma. <laughs> like, uh, I don't feel settled. I don't feel clean. My beard just puffs up like nobody's business and I look like a, a hobo. You know, it's just highly unenjoyable. And it's all because of temperature control in my body. Whereas if you say to people, I don't like having showers, they go, oh, tramp, get a wash. And uh, another sort of over-annoyance in everyday tasks would be, for me, cooking. I hate cooking. I actually can't cook at the minute because of how bad I've become. You know, but the thought of touching something uncooked and then touching it again when it's cooked, smelling it through the process and then expected to eat it, I just can't do it. And I think it is a crazy thing for you. I think people don't fully understand when I say that because they say things to me like, yeah, I, I get you can't cook at the minute, but why don't you just make toast or something? Because I can't cook at the minute. So there we go. That's why I can't do it. I just, it's cooking anything. So point five would be an over-annoyance of everyday tasks. You might have an over-annoyance. There might be things you do every day, apart from going to work, if you go to work, that just really winds you up. It could be a certain show that comes on TV every day and it just really grates you to see any part of it. That could be what I'm on about. And then last but not least, number six would be personal favorite of mine, unconscious routines. And what I mean by unconscious routines would be things like shopping. So I've said it before uh, millions of times, you know, like I'll go shopping from 8 p.m. on a Tuesday because it's quieter and I can get what I need. But it didn't always start out that way. You know, before I was diagnosed with autism and I still had to shop, if I was going into a shop at midday, on a Saturday, I'd get stressed, more stressed than I need for doing a simple task like shopping. And it was only over time, you know, maybe finishing work late and then just nipping into the shop to pick up a few bits, did I then start to go, it's quieter. I like this. What day is it? What time is it? Yeah, I might try this next time. And it slowly but surely developed. But then I would still, every now and again, just pop into the shop to pick up something on a Friday afternoon after work or whatever. And that's when everybody else is doing the same thing. So I would still get stressed. But after my autism diagnosis and I realized what autism was, because I didn't really know at the time, then that's where I stopped going to the shop on a Friday, on a Saturday. I would stick to what helped. So I then developed an unconscious routine in how I shop if that makes sense. You know, even travel planning. I do a lot of travel planning because I'm always on the motorway with my work and I will get on Google Maps. I will survey my route. I will check everywhere I can possibly need to go. I will check two or three weeks 
into the past as well on Google Maps, just in case the kids are off school at the minute. And that's why my route looks clear. You know, I, I just have to take everything into account. And I know everywhere that might get congested on the motorways, traveling where I'm going. So I'll drag a little white dot out to show me an alternative route that I know and make sure that the timings again over the past few weeks have been all right. So I have a really comprehensive way that I plan, but I just thought that was being diligent. I didn't realize it was part of a routine that I had because the way I do it, whether I'm going abroad, whether I'm going down the road or traveling four hours, it's the same way every time. You know, and getting dressed. There's another routine I've got, which I never realized. And some people could say, so CD that, mate. It's like, it might be, I don't know. But, you know, there's a lot of comorbidities, if you can still say that, uh, linked in with autism. And, you know, maybe I do, but, you know, I, I, I get dressed the same way every time. And I have done since I was a kid. It's boxers, socks, trousers, then top. In that order, every time. There is no way on earth I could have, like, say, a pair of boxers on, pair of jeans, and then put my socks on. Oh, no chance would that happen. I'd have to take the jeans off, put the socks on, then the jeans back over because I wouldn't be able to do it out of my routine, out of my pattern, because to me, that is the way you get dressed, which is an artistic part of me, I suppose. Um, and I suppose the last part of that one would be the way I eat. You know, it doesn't matter what I'm eating. Like soup would be the only thing that would get away with it. But I have a pattern with the way I eat, you know, why eating the least favorite things first, starting as a bit of a free for all. But as the food starts to diminish, you'll find that there is an equal amount of everything left on the plate. Always. Always. You know, if it was three pieces of meat and three chips, you know, for example, three fries, then I'm going to make sure I have a fry, bit of meat eat it. And I'll do that every time until everything's gone. So I have this methodical way of eating, but it's also unconscious because I've done it forever. And that's what I do. That's what I will always do. But I never thought it was anything to do with anything because I didn't realize I did it until people pointed it out to me saying, that's a really weird way of eating. Whereas I find it weird how people can just eat without doing that. So when it was brought to my attention and I paid attention to how I eat, it's like, wow, what's wrong? Why am I doing this? This seems like a chore. Um, and then obviously with a diagnosis of autism, it's like, well, so, you know, pattern repetition is part of that. And maybe this is why I do it. But then it could be under a comorbidity. It could be linked to something else. I don't know. But point six with unconscious routines, you might find you do a lot of things in a very similar way. And it's not just for convenience because, you know, you can do a lot of things in the same amount of time in a different order, but it's because it has to be done that way because that's the way you do it. You know, the way you put things in your pockets before you go out the front door, you know, when I'm leaving for work, it's personal phone in my right front pocket, wallet in the back right pocket, work phone in the front left pocket and keys always stay in my hand because obviously my car doesn't need me key to go in and turn it over. It's just a button and they just live where I can see them. And I just have 
ways of it. So you might do that too. And it might be linked to undiagnosed autism. So there, my friends, is just my opinion, just my perspective on hopefully six things that are just a little bit outside the box with examples, which aren't the same things you'll hear about or watch every single time you see the title pop up. And if you're older and you suspect you might have undiagnosed autism, I've either helped or more likely hindered <laughs> what you thought because uh, I keep finding myself to be the, uh, the odd one out even in autism. But I wanted to give it a bash anyway. So what I'll say on that is I do hope it helped. And until next time, thanks for watching and keep smiling.